This episode is brought to you by our top patrons, by that dirty little bear of a man, BJ DeBlow. He would have started his own podcast, but he was too chicken shit. And if you like the Open Micers podcast, but think Jay is too handsome, then check out the Jester's Court, hosted by Jason's fat twin, Mr. Mike Evelyn, found wherever podcasts are given away for free. We want to give a huge shout out to Miss Kathy Gutierrez Figueroa and Mr. Derek Diamond for supporting our lovely little podcast. And here we go. Jason's head may look like a bow and eggs. I'm the one who's yoked. I'm Jacob Craig. And our guest tonight, returning. Finally, we booked it as soon as we got off the air last time because we had such a blast. All three of us enjoyed the stories that were getting thrown around. It's Mr. Christopher Burdett. You remember him. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing awesome. Guess who's back? (laughs) Back again. Chris is Jamie's back. Back. <laughs> back again. And I'm leaving. <laughs> oh, well, that was a good episode. Uh, I, I, just next week. I think where we left off last time, the last thing I remember us talking about was um, you were working for Buffy and you guys were across the way from the, uh, the trauma people. Yes. Yes. And uh, we're we still we still got to get into Buffy <laughs> and uh, oh gosh and everything Angel and else Firefly uh, Firefly yeah. everything we got we got to get to all that man we got we got an hour to do it so start talking buddy start talking <laughs> uh, so I worked on some shows <laughs> <laughs> what, what what do you want to know. Um, so you, you had a good relationship with the trauma guys and, uh, yes. you know, you were doing, uh, you were doing makeup effects and all that kind of stuff. So where, how, once Buffy ended, um, did you work on Angel at all? You worked yes. on Angel. I so, worked uh, on the, the last season of Buffy, the last two seasons of Angel and the only season of Firefly. Well, and we, we, what do you we mean did... the only season of Firefly? It had 37 <laughs> seasons of great uh-huh. awesomeness. Yeah. Well, we, we did do some uh, unsolicited pre production for the movie uh, because we weren't considered for the movie. And uh, mm. so we did a lot of our own private uh, concept work and sent it over to, to the Joss and crew to be kind of like, remember us? We worked on the show. Mm-hmm. But, and, after the movie, they shipped it all the stuff that we shipped to them. They shipped it back. So you didn't get to work <laughs> on the movie at all. I mean, technically, I did some concept work for it, but it wasn't it wasn't hired by the production company. So I exactly, mean, I, I was, I, you might be in the know on this. Like, it's very rare that a, a, a TV show can have one season and not be successful at all not through any fault of the show the show was great it was just it was very mismanaged and mishandled uh by the network how did he go about landing a movie to finish out the the story of of firefly how did that happen as far as i know he called in some favors and that's yeah it was kind of one of these things where there were people i think it was universal that released the movie they he had some people over at universal that liked what he did and liked the show and decided to give him some millions of dollars to make a movie <laughs> must be nice wish i had some yeah wish i could call in some favors make make a big movie be nice yeah, <laughs> yeah here's a here's a bag of 20 million dollars go make a movie <laughs> okay actually it was probably way more than that <laughs> so once you got once you got through with uh with angel and that 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 series had a pretty abrupt end as well. Um, yeah, well, <laughs> there is a story for that. Okay, um, please do do tell. Yeah. I, I forget the networks, but um, at some point, uh, he pulled Buffy from one network and moved it to another network. I, at some point, 
uh, as far as I remember. Yeah, I think it was maybe... UPN at the time, and then yeah. did it go from UPN to CW, or did it go from CW to UPN? I don't remember. S- something. It was one of those things. But um, Angel was still at the first network, and when it hit 150 episodes, any series that hits 150 episodes, if they're still doing the thing that they used to do, um, when a show hits 150 episodes, it is now able to go into syndication, mm-hmm. and all of the executives and the people at the studio get a huge check and everyone got the huge check and then they announced the show was ending (laughs) as as a uh, as a as an fu to joss whedon for taking buffy away wow that's shitty yeah i mean i even have a 150th episode t-shirt because they made t-shirts and they had a big party and there's this big photo with like everybody, all of the cast, all of the crew were all in it. And it's, it was done in the Wolfman Hart set. And it was really cool. And there was a cake and there was all this stuff. And then literally like the next day, they got the word that the show was ending at the end of the season. So they basically wow. had to scramble and end the series. So that's why it ended the way it did. <laughs> yes. Uh, bad blood and money. So <laughs> that seems to be the theme of Joss Whedon's career. <laughs> to be honest, bad blood and money. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that... Now, like, but this, this is what I heard, you know, this is what I heard on the ground at the time from people in the know. So it could be wrong, but it's probably right. <laughs> it sounds about right. Yeah. I, um, uh, the, the ending of Angel when it got canceled in the that very last episode was the first and only time in my life I was upset enough to actually write a letter to oh my the God, network. You're such a nerd. <laughs> nerd. I didn't even email it. I wrote it by hand and and mailed it. it like it, you it, guys it, suck. It it yeah, I mean, but that counts. It means something. In the in the uh alien enemy alien uh booth not booth uh building studios offices on the paramount lot where they shot angel uh there was a big bulletin board that had handwritten letters from people all over it so i mean one of those was probably mine (laughs) yeah i mean they 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 see it they knew about it you know and like you know you'd have like drawings from kids up there too but and then there would be like the ones where a lot they were like would circle like weird stuff from fans so (laughs) (laughs) so where did it where did your career take you after after the ending of angel and firefly Uh, basically (laughs) that was one tumultuous year because they lost we lost buffy and they're like okay well that's you know that that's that's a hit because at one point one glorious moment we had buffy angel and firefly all going and everyone was like we're you know this is amazing we're on top of the world this is going to be us forever we are titans and then they died one by one um <laughs> but it was kind of one of those things where um there's usually a, a big rap party big season or show rap party and the one for buffy was was okay it was um there was this artist that kind of hung around the shop and he did these giant like 12 foot by 4 foot portraits of all of the main cast and they were all up at the at the Buffy rap party and there were celebrities and red carpets and all this stuff and uh we got shooed in as quickly across the red carpet as possible it's like oh you guys are crew just just get in the building i may have asked um, you this on the last one did you ever get to take any souvenirs from the uh the, those sets <laughs> i could tell by that look have you ever allegedly? Yeah, have um, you ever allegedly? <laughs> well, the, the trouble is, is that it was all every day. It's my job. So I didn't think about it as being right. like one day in 20 years, I'm going to wish I had something. Because um, I mean, like on, this, on the Angel's uh, office, the hotel, there was just the, his business cards, his detective business cards were everywhere. Hmm. And it's like, and I actually had them in my hands. I would like, they'd be on the floor. I'd pick one up and go, oh, that's neat. And put it back on the counter. It's like, 
could have gone in my pocket and I could have had, you know, framed it later and had a little thing. And we made uh, for Angel um, the, the Beast in season four, the big rocky devil guy. Um, mm-hmm. We did a lot of concept work for that. And we did um, maquettes. We made a maquette, about a foot tall maquette. And we molded it and cast them. And I painted them and painted them. I painted so many of those things. And they got given to uh, the director, the writers, the production people, Joss, like everyone involved. And then the, um, we were making more and everyone in the shop got one. And I was painting them for everyone in the shop. There was one person that didn't get one. <laughs> and to this day, I am still, I'm just so bummed by that thing. Because they, they go for hundreds of dollars if they show up on ebay or anything just they they go for like nearly a thousand dollars last time i saw one pop up and i'm like yeah I, I made that um can i can i have one <laughs> uh and you know the molds are long gone and all it's one of those things where it's like i never but i mean there were there were little things i i, I have a makeup i i painted and designed still i have a mask i painted just little stuff that's <laughs> that's in a closet you know but it just we weren't we weren't necessarily allowed to take anything and uh yeah but what they don't know don't hurt them yeah i mean i i threw a lot of stuff away my one of my jobs was to tear it up and throw it away smash the molds and put them in a dumpster and uh would have went right into the trunk of my car (laughs) yeah i mean if 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 you knew where to look uh for a window of time you could have found a lot of amazing things but i mean we had to literally smash we had hammers and we were smashing the inside of molds and we were tearing things apart and the the studio took a lot too um we we basically camouflaged one of our storage doors to our uh, storage facility we made it look like a wall so that when production when the production came to get stuff we had stuff obviously sitting out that they took and didn't think to look anywhere else. <laughs> so now they have, uh, there's a, I, I saw a YouTube video not too long ago of, a, there's this huge warehouse out in California where they preserving stuff like that now, like all the, the molds and uh, all the old costumes and stuff. Like you would have like, you know, a complete uh, costume from Batman 1989 and like it's yeah. it's in horrible Ooh. shape but they're like trying to restore it and things like that. Oh yeah, I mean this stuff this stuff also doesn't age. It doesn't age at all. It it if it's not destroyed on set, time will eat it up real fast. Yeah, cuz a lot of that stuff's made out of what? Latex and foam latex foam, and things like foam that. Foam latex and normal latex and that stuff just doesn't survive. It has it has a, a life lifespan. I yeah. mean, you can you can keep it going for a while but if it was heavily used and heavily loved and used on set a lot it it's just not gonna it's not gonna hold up and i've been heavily loved a little bit in my day you know what i'm saying (laughs) 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 but um no so the last time we had you on you were here to promote your uh, appearance in in pensacola at pensacon um we uh there and it my is, book. and my book, and your book, of course. <laughs> I, I I actually picked up one of your coloring books, and um, my girlfriend was so taken by it that she ended up taking it. So I nice. don't have your coloring book anymore, and <laughs> she has it now. But um, I, yeah, I want to hear all about your experience there. How you like Pensacola? How you like the con? What uh, uh, what all happened? Well, Pensacon is one of my one of our favorite shows. Um, we I mean, we're, it's a three hour drive for us to get to Pensacola. So it's, it's, it's the least, least time, uh, takes the least time to get there. And it's an easy drive. We just drive down to 10. It's like door to door. It's three hours on the dot. And, uh, I've been, what I've been there since 2016, I think, I think 16 was my first one I missed, uh, last year. Um, but, uh, yeah, this year was amazing amazing i i was expecting kind of a down year because i got i've liquidated all of my merchandise and stuff that's related to my my gaming work so all that stuff's gone i don't have any and i just have my book and the art for my book and stuff like that and i was expecting you know this year to be like 
me introducing the book to people and showing people the book and telling them about it and like getting them excited so that next year they'll come back and go, oh, do you still have that thing? Nope. Uh, people just went nuts for it. It was amazing. I was kind of caught off guard. Uh, I did about two and a half normal Pensacons worth of sales. Wow. Uh, wow. This year. Yeah. Like the first day, Friday, I did the sales of a normal Pensacon in one day. So, <laughs> yeah, it got to the point where people were just walking up and they saw that I had a coloring book and they just gave me money and bought it. They didn't even look at it. They just saw that there was a coloring mm -hmm. book and they're like, oh, I'll buy this and well, just gave me money. And I'm like, <laughs> I feel like this year for Pensacon, you know, it was so busy. And even though we had one last year, it, there was, it, it, you know, it was in the middle of the pandemic um, it, and it was, it was kind of weird. Well, I can't say it was, it was the middle of the pandemic. It's kind of, we were coming out of it, but it was right before that Delta surge. Yeah. And well, the so, last Pensacon was actually in May. Yeah. Too. That's what I was saying. It, it like was right before the Delta surge. So people were still kind of weary about getting out. So I, and I, I, I even felt it myself. Like it felt kind of dead last year, but mm. this one was like ridiculous. There were lines of yeah. people waiting to get in that were like a mile long and it was out crazy. to the interstate the will yeah. call line on saturday i looked at it and i was nervous because i thought it was the line to get into the convention because <laughs> there were so many people they were literally lined up to the shoulder on the interstate blocking the exit yeah it was yep. insane i i've never seen it like that before this was this was crazy and they like because i i did a panel on saturday and we went and when we came back we had to get through that to get back in and we were everyone was just like what's going on what is this line because mm -hmm. we <laughs> we just weren't expecting it i mean we could tell there were a lot of people but the fact that there it looked like just as many people that were inside were also mm -hmm. outside waiting to get in was just it was crazy well even at the panels it felt like all the panels were full and you know usually yeah. like some of the panels are you know some will like the the bigger name stars they do panels will be full but then you'll have like the smaller panels that'll be like half full or you know yeah, depending on what yeah. subject matter is but man they're it was like cave retros as, as every you know. single panel i i saw was full like, especially in the building, like the Nerd Cave Retro, like he was saying, my other show, we did a panel and, and it was full, even though it was in a smaller room this year, but it was still full and all the other ones that were in there too. So I was like, man, I guess people are not able to get into the convention. So they're just going to panels or just there's, I think there was just, there was just more people this year. Yeah. I mean, that, that's just what it comes down to. There was just a crush of people that they weren't expecting because what do they, um, they said if, they announced if you bought a Saturday pass, you can come back for Sunday for free. Because yeah. it was just like the people weren't getting in. People yeah. like got in for like a half hour at the end of the day or something right. crazy. Yeah. Which honestly is on them a little bit, man. Because I, I showed up and I was late on Friday, but I showed up Friday, got my pass, went right in, hung out for three hours. Like Yeah, there, there was a lot of people. I don't think people... People, you know, the average person wasn't expecting it either. I think they were, they, some of these people were just doing what they normally do and nope. <laughs> yeah, but like if, if you don't even have your ticket by Saturday, then you're kind of expecting waiting in a long yeah. line. Like you really yeah. want to get there early morning Friday and pick up your pass and mm -hmm. go about doing everything. Yeah, because I, uh, I didn't show up till Saturday morning and uh, picked up my pass. And we got there, went inside. It it was already shoulder to shoulder down on the the convention floor. And I yeah. made one pass. We made one pass around everything. I was like, I got to get out of here. This <laughs> is about to be anxiety inducing. Oh, I mean, yeah. Like I had a great spot um, on, in the artist alley, but it was it was at the at the beginning of all of the all of the booths. But mm -hmm. it was there were so many people that were coming in to go down to the floor that the line wrapped in front right. of my booth. So it was just kind of like, uh, can you all not block my booth? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think well, you had, as far as booths go on that, that, that ring around the arena, I think you had mm -hmm. the sweet spot because you were right at the entrance. Yeah, I, my first year I was in a similar spot. And yeah, it, it's really nice to kind of, be that break when people come in you're the first thing they see mm -hmm. 
Right. Which I mean that that might be kind of a blessing too, because I, I saw on the other side, because there were there were two uh entrances on the mm-hmm. other side when it was backed up in front of Renee Witterstatter's booth, a uh, friend of the show who was on. Mm-hmm. I went and visited her. She was steadily making sales to the people that were in line just waiting <laughs> to get to the convention floor. I I tried that, but it just it it's always felt like I was dealing with a captive audience that may or may not have any interest in what I'm doing. So I kind of right. left them alone. I mean, if people showed interest, I engaged, but the average, you know, they weren't there to see me at that moment. They were there to get down to the floor. So yeah, but the beauty about what you do is you're at a convention. So nine times out of 10 people that are there are into what you're doing. So you oh, got to, yeah. you got to get that used car mentality, used car salesman mentality and be like, Hey, well, yeah. hey no, come I, over I, here. Let me show you something, kids. Step oh, right I got up, it. Step I, right up. People definitely came back. I, that's for sure. I do know that there were people who queued up in front of me that did come back later and got stuff. So it all worked out. You just got to be like, Hey kid, you like monsters? <laughs> well, well, we kind of did that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's almost what we were saying to people. Well, I'm glad you had a, a great Pensacon because, uh, like we said, it was it was crazy busy, like to the point where I, I was even like, I, if it's going to be like this every year, I don't know if I want to go back until they get a, a bigger facility for everything because it's, it's so packed at this point. Yeah, I, I don't know when or if there'll ever be a bigger venue for them. Yeah, I think that's the biggest venue in the city is that place. Yeah. And, yeah. Like packed and in it, like it, sardines. I mean, if it, even if they started building now, it would be years before something else was completed. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. Did you get to uh, travel the city at all or, or get to try any uh, local food spots? Uh, in the past years, we did a lot. But this year, I mean, since we um, since the, the Grand Hotel right next to the uh, to the event venue is closed and I guess. The Holiday Inn that's downtown was also closed. We were all out at the beach, so we had to take uh, transit in and out of town. And we were so exhausted at the end of the day. We literally got on the bus in, in the vans that took us back, and we had dinner and went to bed. <laughs> yeah, that's so, about what I did, too, to be honest. I mean, we, we went back to our Airbnb and ate Wingstop, and then we just decided not even to go on Sunday. Like we're like we're we're already broke. We're tired. <laughs> we're just gonna go home. Yeah, we yeah, did I mean, the, we did the same thing Saturday night. <laughs> well, Saturday was our let's have fun with people night, and we we were wrecked on Sunday because I didn't get any sleep that night. <laughs> so it's always it's always rough. It's like have fun and hang out with people, or not be destroyed the next day. Like, uh... right. But what have you been working on since uh, we last visited you at your uh, at your table in February? Uh, I'm just making more art uh, for the next book, book two. Uh, just been working away. I'm uh, been focusing on some smaller pieces uh, just so I can get stuff done and feel like I'm accomplishing things. And when I'm done with the piece that I'm currently working on, that's literally right over there that I can't show you. Uh, I'll be uh, starting up on some really big pieces again that. They take a while to make, but you know, it's, it's, I got to make them. They're in the book. So <laughs> yeah, you're such a tease. Uh, <laughs> as, as a full-time artist, I, do you take like a certain block of time every single day to work on something or <laughs> are you? No, I mean, of... I, I do have a, I do, I'm a, I'm an artist in a day job. So uh, that takes up a chunk of my day is to, to do the do the job that pays the bills and uh, gives me insurance and retirement and all that stuff. Uh, right. But then I, I all the other stuff, the the stuff I do for the gaming industry, my stuff, I do it all on nights and weekends. And uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so I never sleep. Is, I imagine is there so like because a... you do so much stuff for for gaming as well, like doing illustration for like Star Wars uh, tabletop games, things like that. Dungeons and Dragons, like, where do you find the time to do all the stuff that you do? Uh, well, <laughs> when I was when I was a little bit younger, um, I had a little bit more energy, 
and I pushed myself constantly. I pushed myself for about 10 years and burned myself out multiple times during that time period. And that's when I kind of established my career and learned to work faster and learned to work smarter and did all the things that, you know, got me to be able to do this stuff quicker and easier on a more fluid and laxed schedule. Because right now, you know, when I'm focusing on my book, I'm my own art director. So I have to give myself deadlines. I need to give myself, you know, you know, I have to, I have to drive myself to make, make my work. So yeah, it's, but it, you know, that's, that's one of those things I talk about that, even though I've had this idea for this world since 1998, I had to work for 20 years in the industry to learn how to be a working artist so that I could then turn around and do that for myself and make my own book and tell my own stories. So is that um, sort of like, uh, like at, first let me ask you this, did it get to the point where working on all this, this gaming stuff like that, like uh, did it become a job at a certain point or was it still enjoyable? <laughs> oh, uh, it definitely became a job with some clients and those clients I don't work with anymore. <laughs> and as far as like being able to do your own thing now, is that pure joy? Like, or does that kind of um, feel like work too? It was, well, the whole thing is the last two years kind of really upended everything. And I've kind of had to, in some ways, restart everything because I did not make a lot of art in 2020. Uh, it's just, with everything going on and the world falling apart, it's just the last thing I really felt like doing at the end of the day was sitting at my desk and working. So uh, it's, you know, so I've had to kind of figure out my routine and my schedule again. And it's just now, March of 2022, oh no, April of 2022. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm just now getting into the groove again and being able to, produce the work I want in the time frame I, I usually do. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's been, it's been hard because <laughs> I used to, do you have oh, any advice for creators? And it doesn't even have to be like illustration. I mean, it, anything in the, in the artistic realm uh, of creativity, uh, you can experience a, a good bit of burnout. And do you have any advice as far as burnout goes? Uh, I would say it's best to not get there. And if that's <laughs> in, uh, to do that, you need to really be serious with yourself and know yourself enough to figure out what amount of personal time you need and, need and the good work uh, life balance. And that's taken a long time to learn. And I'm still learning. I'm still, it's still not. It's, I still haven't figured it out. Uh, I do know that I have not been working enough to make myself happy lately, but that's because I've been not working to focus on other things in my life to get things back in order after dealing with the pandemic for tw uh, two years. Yeah. I almost said 20 because it <laughs> yeah, feels like it 20. feels like it <laughs> might as well be. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I was able to, at the end of my first book, when I was finishing up The Last of the Art, I was, some of my pieces, some of my smaller pieces, I was getting them done in like an hour. From start to finish, I was finishing illustrations in about an hour, which is crazy fast, even for me. That's crazy. Right. Uh, and now those similar pieces are taking me a couple days. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's going to take a bit to get back up, too. And that's yeah. why I was doing these smaller pieces for right now before I did some big pieces again. So I can just feel like I'm producing because those big pieces usually will take a minimum, a minimum of a month just to, just to get done. Wow. Yeah. So I went up and got something that I think that you possibly worked on. I'm not entirely sure. Uh Oh, but hmm. was yep. this you? Did uh, you work I, on this? I have stuff in that. Yes. Okay. Is that We're the, gonna open it up and look on. Look yeah. Is that the, is that the very first one? The the it core is. set. Yes, there yeah, is. I have I have one card. My very first Star Wars card is in there. And for our listeners, the, it's the uh, the Star Wars uh, card, card game. game. Yeah, got a nice rules of play. What do you remember? What card you worked on? Oh yeah, totally. It's the Wookie Navigator. Wookie Navigator. 
This it's is a, actually in really good condition. I didn't, it's, this is just in my closet. Oh, right on. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it's a it's a it's a black furred Wookie uh, at controls. I mean, it looks like they're at a gunner station, and that they kind of are. Um, the card actually got reused in the X-wing miniatures game as the gunner card, and that's where everyone got to know that piece. It was pretty much ignored and forgotten about in the card game, but then it came out in X-wing. And it's apparently a really powerful card, and it comes with a lot of the different uh, bigger ships that you can play in the game. So people know that, and people would walk by my booth and go, oh, the gunner card. And I'm like, it's actually the Wookiee Navigator. But <laughs> We got to tell you guys about B-Res Coffee Company. That's right. B-Res Coffee is a small business established here on the Gulf Coast that was created for gamers by game. Whatever kind of coffee you like, they got you covered like the out-of-this-world chocolate and caramel-flavored roast, or the Two Hardies One Ship, which is a rum and dark chocolate-flavored roast. You can even get your very own Open Micers Roast of Coffee. So if you like us, you'll like this dark roast too. So head over to brezcoffeeco.com and use our code OMPODCAST for 10% off of your order. What medium do you work in when you do your, your illustrations? Oh, it, it depends on the client. It depends on the job. Um, I started my career working digitally uh, in the, this card in particular. That's a digital piece. Um, for some of my, my clients I still have, I still work digitally because I'm just, I'm faster and I can get a, a finished quality level that is what I expect of myself and what the client expects from me. Um, but on the Star Wars game, um, a few years after I started working on it, I switched to the tra traditional and I painted, I, I worked in acrylics and painted uh, the bulk of my cards for the, in the game. Um, my own work, I work traditionally for all of my own stuff. So my book, everything is traditionally made. Uh, it's pencil, ink, and paint on paper. What kind of uh, paint do you use? Like acrylics? Or... Acrylic, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I, uh, acrylic paint, uh, dries too slow for me, so I can't even think about oils. Because <laughs> um, I mean, I, I I'm a digital painter, and it's you know it's instantly dry, and you just un unless I'm working with a pencil, that's the only only medium that matches. Because there's a lot of illustrators out there that I I really love, but I don't know what medium they like to work in. Like my favorite uh, illustrator is Drew Struzan, and I I you know tried to watch like. Um, uh, documentaries and stuff and may pay mm -hmm. attention to how he does his stuff. But I, I can't figure out if he's using like canvas or because he uses a mixture also of like acrylics and colored pencils and things of that nature. And if, if you don't know who Drew Struzan is, he did the, he did, you know, Indiana Jones posters, ET star Wars trilogy. He like did, he did Goonies. all of yeah. the <laughs> posters. You know? Yeah. And his work really stands out. Um, if he's using pencil, he is working on some sort of board. He's probably working on like a cold press uh, board of some sort or paper. But I imagine he's working on something with a little thickness to it. So it's probably some sort of art board or something. Mm -hmm. uh, pencil just really doesn't go on canvas well. Yeah. The, the way you want it to. Found the Wookiee Navigator card, by the way. Sweet. If anyone's watching on video. Yep, that's the one. Here's some Christopher Burdett artwork that I own. This oh, definitely yeah. looks like something that you... He's badass. You I would not want to cross him in a dark alley. Definitely not. He, he looks kind of like um, What's-His-Face from Boba Fett. Black Chrysanthemum. Yeah. I, I, I did that first. That's true. That is, yeah, this came out much before the book of Boba Fett. Did. Long before. I mean, well, I mean, <laughs> that Wookiee was showing up in the comics for a few years now. But yeah, I, I did that card years before many years before awesome. i'm actually going to set this out and hold on to this so that it doesn't go back have him sign it next year put that bring it bring yep. it with you might actually i might bring that for you to sign signatures are free <laughs> fantastic right. i'll get you to sign my boobies too <laughs> no have you ever signed a pair of boobies it kind of feels really good no no i haven't it's a good experience. <laughs> I have. <laughs> yeah, Jason the Rockstar has definitely signed some boobies. Yeah. 
Sorry, I didn't mean to make everything all weird. That's <laughs> yeah, all right. So let's get back to your career. So uh, you're t- uh, you you knew the trauma guys. Is that how you got in with um to do uh Toxic Avenger four? Yeah, I I was literally across the the alley uh, when they were filming some pickup stuff in in L.A. and I literally they needed they needed bodies, so I walked over and got into the movie and uh you know I'm, i mean i knew all the guys and i had already met lloyd kaufman so it was kind of one of those things where it's like you know it's like oh this is a person we we've met no yeah go and jump in there too because i mean in toxic avenger 4 um there's a shot with lemmy from motorhead making comments about i think it was uh mm-hmm. oh the mayor who's the mayor was played by that guy that was a porn star and is oh, in prison uh, now. Ron Jeremy? Ron, Ron Jeremy. Jeremy. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry, Ron Jeremy. I didn't unmute fast enough. I definitely yeah. knew that answer. <laughs> Ron, Ron Jeremy was the mayor. And so they kept cutting away to Lemmy making comments about the mayor and stuff. And, you know, they, I think they shot the mayor stuff in New York somewhere. And we we're in LA filming the, the, <laughs> the back and forth. And so I'm literally standing right next to Lemmy in the whole shot. So I'm just standing there smiling because we're all supposed to be smiling and watching the mayor. And, you know, and I would just like look over and like because he would say something. I'd be like, oh, that's weird. And then like the guy next to me was at the time one of the guys that worked for Troma in the L.A. office. So it's yeah, it was all uh, family. And at some point, like there's chaos. And I think the the noxious Avenger uh, shows up and starts destroying things and everyone freaks out so everyone's we had to then panic and run around and lloyd yells someone fall down so i threw myself (laughs) down in front of the camera and just ate it on the concrete and like skinned up skinned up both palms but i was like yeah i think i'm pretty sure it made it into the movie so it's all worthwhile that's awesome (laughs) right i bet lemmy i bet lemmy smelled like cigarettes and jack daniels uh i i I do know that he they basically to get him to do interviews they sat him on a couch and gave him a bottle of jack daniels and he then he then took care of it he did he did the interviews and i was dressed up as toxie and then another guy was dressed up as uh, sergeant kabuki man and we interviewed him so there's on some of the extras on some of the dvds i don't know which ones they're all over the place uh there's me and me as toxic avenger and sergeant kabuki man interviewing lemmy about stuff so yeah it's just a really weird slice of my life that's that is documented in random uh media but i mean because i mean what one of the things we we were hired to make um reusable toxic adventure masks for appearances and stuff so Mm -hmm. we did a lot of that and they um they were made on my head cast so they fit me and so that's one of the ways i got in to do uh the toxic avenger suit performing for them out on the west coast Sweet. and the east coast too actually I, I did i did megacon in orlando in 20 uh 2002 yeah i was the toxic wow. avenger there as well <laughs> so you if i've ever seen toxie in real life it's probably you it may have been. I mean, there, there's, I mean, 20 years ago, because it was, oh, yeah. I was Toxie from uh, 1999. Well, let's call it 2000 to 2002. There was two, two years that I was, I was at E3. I was at San Diego Comic-Con. I was, yeah, I was at Megacon. I was all over the place. I think actually I may have, I may have done uh, San Diego Comic-Con two thousand four or five as well it's weird it all it all blends together now i'd have to go look at photos you probably met a young 40 year old jason robbins 20 years ago (laughs) (laughs) you shut your face sir hey i the thing is i got to meet so many people as toxie i have a whole photo album full of me with famous people you know it's like i met bill nye the science guy and you know, a bunch of people from Star Trek and people from Star Wars and a lot of people that are no longer alive. It's weird. I have like all these photos of because I would just 
wander wander into places and take photos and <laughs> wander out. Have you thought about ever putting that somewhere for people to enjoy? Uh, maybe. I mean, I, 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 I've shared some. I've shared some on social media. Uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's literally, it's a binder full of photos that I would need to scan. And just, yeah, probably should. That would actually yeah. make a pretty good uh, Instagram account, Toxie with various celebrities. Uh, I, would ru- I would run out of photos almost, you know, too soon. I would never beat the algorithms to gain any traction. <laughs> do you still do any um, like uh, latex uh, makeup effects or anything like that anymore? Nope. No, haven't haven't touched any of that stuff since two thousand five, the beginning of two thousand five. Okay, so if I was the head of a movie studio, and I came to you. Like a like a retired hired gun in an action movie, and said, "Christopher, we need you for one last job. Would you accept it?" <laughs> I I wouldn't know what to do anymore. I literally, and that's a skill set I haven't used in over fifteen years. And I mean, I I was never a sculptor. I have sculpted, but I was never professionally a sculptor. I painted, I designed, I cleaned up stuff, you know, and I. I, I did parts of it all. I mean, because it was a team. I mean, there were there were some guys that could do it all from start to finish. But I mean, I hated I hated mold making. Mold making was the the bane of my existence because I never felt like I really got it. Even though it's a really straightforward process, if you mess it up, you've messed up big time. So it's just one of those yeah. things where I just I didn't I didn't like it because. You could you could ruin it all literally within moments. You can you can it's like, yeah. And I, I I'm not good with that. <laughs> I was never good at sculpting either. You know, I got an art degree from college, and I barely passed sculpting because I I can't I, I hate it. I can't do it at all. Yeah, and I mean you know, I was surrounded like daily with like top tier master sculptors, so it was kind of one of those things. It's like. Where do I even begin? Like, how do I even, I can't compete. There's like, <laughs> you guys, have, you know, this guy already works in the shop. There's no point for me to pick up anything and learn. And to be fair too, I mean, with, since 2005, with few exceptions like The Walking Dead or whatever, it seems like, you know, special effects makeup has kind of been replaced by CGI for the most part. It's actually uh, bound, rebounding. Uh, there is yeah. more and more practical stuff, though, to my eye, I can sometimes see where some of the skill was lost in the, like the, the 10 years of only CG, you know, like a lot of shops didn't survive and a lot of people got were put out of work, but there are shops yeah. that are still working. There's the guys I used to still work. I used to work with that still have their own shops now. And, you know, they're doing commercials. They're doing internet based stuff they're doing music videos they're doing props for um i get one of the guys i know did a bunch of masks for slipknot you know and they they wear them for for their concerts and you know that's that's where that's where makeup effects are being used but i mean there's a lot of folks that are in the industry that miss practical stuff and they're they're realizing that what works best is the combat the 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 marriage of digital and traditional you know, it's if you can get the you can get the best of both worlds, putting putting them together and stuff yeah. stuff looks great. Yeah, yeah. I think George Miller is one of those guys who you know, he made Mad Max Fury Road just completely mm-hmm. special effects aside from what had to be absolutely done digitally. But the stuff that would kill you, yeah, uh, right. they had to, they had they made it digital. <laughs> but I mean, it looks that movie looks so good. It's you're like. How how did half the crew and cast not die during this movie? Oh yeah, but right. even even when you see the raw footage, it still looks dangerous. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. You, know, you said uh, all the stuff that would make you know would kill you, but there was a lot of stuff he did in that movie that probably would have killed a lot of stuntmen if one thing went wrong. Oh well, I mean that that's most stunts. I mean I. Oh, I I know all of the stunt guys that I worked with. They all had the the near death story or the the story that got them <laughs> messed up. Like uh, one guy that I worked with on Angel a lot. He worked in Speed Two. Is Speed Two the one on the boat 
Yes. Speed okay. two cruise control. Yeah. So he he. They, I guess they they drop someone off the boat at some point, and he's the guy. And they they just dropped him off the side of the boat to the water, and it dislocated one arm, and I Jesus. think he got some broken bones. Yeah, because I mean he fell a stupid amount of distance and hit water, which at those distances and speed is like the ground. So right. it's, yeah. So he, he always talked about, it. he's like, Oh yeah, this my speed arm. You know, you know like, here's <laughs> the thing. If I'm going to die on a movie set, at least let it be something cool. Like the crow, you know, where you're immortalized forever. Like for for dying on an awesome movie, not Speed Two. <laughs> hey man, you don't disrespect Speed Two Cruise Control on the Open Micers podcast like that, okay? You're telling me Speed Two is better than Speed One? No, I didn't say that. Now you're putting words in my mouth, Jason. Of course, it's not better than Speed One. Guys, it- guys, guys, you're both pretty. It's okay. <laughs> Should have won an Oscar. That's all I'm saying. Oh, uh, I I actually have have a couple of emails from a a couple of jackass guys that we should get on to talk about some stunt performances because that's that's something we haven't talked oh, about yeah. a lot. Johnny Knoxville's crotch and how it doesn't work anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I just neither watched... does Jason's just because he's yeah. old. <laughs> That's two old jokes, dude. I just watched (laughs) uh, the new Jackass movie the other night. and uh, So good, isn't it? Yeah, but I can definitely feel their pain now. Because they're a few years older than I am. And there is no way, no way in hell I could take the hits that those guys are still taking. There's no way. I sleep wrong now, and I can't move. Well, if if you're prepared for it, I think. And also, you know there's a lot of stagecraft and you, they probably have pads and they've probably, you know, practiced for it and stuff. It's well, I, I don't the, know that bull hit Johnny new... Knoxville pretty freaking hard. Oh the yeah. There's... Movie. But the way that they, they kind of do those movies now is they even brought in younger cast members to do some stuff. You have to, you yeah, have to, you it's... have to use up the young blood. <laughs> yeah. If, if you actually pay attention, like Steve O only did two stunts, Johnny Knoxville only did a couple of stunts, and for the most part it was other people doing it. But uh But to his credit, he was shot out of a cannon again. Again. Yeah, yeah again. <laughs> and also as, as I understand why they keep wanting to make jackass movies, because if you look at the budget of that movie versus the box office, they made Jackass Forever for ten million dollars. And it made $80 million at the box office. I'm just shocked it was actually $10 million. <laughs> right. The first movie was $5 million, and it made $80 million in, two, in 2002. And 2002 money, $80 million's a lot more. <laughs> a lot yeah. more. Guys, we should make a jackass movie, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Call in some favors. We'll get Joss Whedon to direct it. Oh, no. No, no, no. I am, I'll have no, I'll have no part. No we part can of tase that. him. Speaking of that. We can that, tase Joss Whedon. Now, you feel free not to answer this question if it's, uh, if it's too out of line or out of bounds, but was there any indication back then of what kind of person he was? I did not interact with him enough to know, but all of the interactions that I had with him, he seemed like a quiet, nerdy, introspective dude that had built this franchise. And, but, you know, I never saw him interact with anyone. I mean, I don't even really remember any whispers or anything like that. It's just like, yeah, he was always, he was always billed as the, the good guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, really pro pro women characters and all this stuff, and he seemed perfectly normal. And do you think that he would be up for being tased? No, <laughs> no. Fine, I, I'll get tased. I I don't know. I don't I'll know take a tasing for ten million dollars. Well, you don't get the whole budget of the movie. If I have to get tased, I am. <laughs> no, dude. I'll get like tased. People get tased for free. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I'm I'll not get... a, a criminal. No, there's, you know, you have, you have, for a time there, they would, there was like a ton of videos of like 
news anchors getting tased on on camera to show what it's like and it's just they go down like a sack of wet cement i mean it's just like (laughs) dude i'm big enough i think i could take a tasing i think i'd be all right dude i've seen soldiers i've seen cops i've seen a lot of big strong burly dudes uh get tased and they go down and they cry they're crying for mama yeah, well, well, I mean, Jacob, I'll give myself. But Jacob, if I'll if you do it. take a tasing, you're gonna need to take off your uh, insulin pump because I'm pretty sure it's gonna oh, yeah. sc- screw that up, and you, that you don't need that. Yeah, uh, yeah I'll you, probably you get electrocuted. Through you don't want pump. any. You don't want any electronics on your person. Yeah, that's. We'll do this for the podcast for research. We'll, <laughs> Here's we'll what we're gonna do: if Patreon. you if you get us to a hundred dollars a month on Patreon, I will look, tase the shit out of Jacob once a month. Look, I'm <laughs> once a month. I mean, I'm after not, a while, it'll you, you'll get used to it. Look, if we get one fifty dollar patron, just one, Jason will I'll, tase uh... me on the Patreon. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just send you fifty bucks right now. <laughs> since we, since nobody, I, since nobody took us up on the last fifty dollar uh, tier, we did. Where I'm gonna uh, edit it, and we'll make it tase it. Jacob. If if someone gets the fifty dollars per month, I will tase Jacob, and we'll camera. film it, and we'll film and it. I'll probably poop myself. <laughs> I I poop myself for nothing, and now it's gonna be Hasht- for a tasing. Hashtag life goals. Yeah. <laughs> At least it's not pepper spray. Like I wouldn't get pepper sprayed for fifty bucks, but I would. I would get tased for fifty bucks. I never. I never talked to you about the uh, the angel rap party. No. Let's let's. Did someone up. get tased and or pepper sprayed? <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the angel rap party was way cooler than the uh, the Buffy rap party for sure. Um, there are all these really big venues uh, in Los Angeles where they have big parties at. And it was this big, like, basically it was a mansion. It was like this crazy big interior. It had a big open space that was like two stories high with all these balconies. And there was a library and an open bar and all this stuff and a big outside area. And it was, it was crazy. It was so much fun. And like everybody, like everybody was there. So uh, it, was, it was really super cool. And uh, a buddy of ours that was a, a big fan. He was actually he uh, ran a posting board, par- um, posting board, internet early days before the internet. Um, I mean, before social media, uh, where angel fans would all get together and talk. And he he was part of the, the group that did a fundraiser every year that got people from the show to meet with fans from all over the world in Los Angeles, and they would raise money and donate it. And um, we were able to get him into the rap party as our guest. He was our plus one. And uh, so he was in there. So it was really cool. It was like anyone who had ever worked on the show was there. And that, I got to meet, uh, I got to meet Ben Edlund, who was a writer, but he's also the creator of the tick. Mm-hmm. And I got to meet him at, because it's always frowned upon to bug people about their stuff while we're working, but we were definitely not working. And I, saw him and i'm like here's my time here's my chance to talk to talk to ben edlin and i had a couple awkward moments and it was great <laughs> and that wasn't but, too long after the uh, the original tick series with uh patrick, patrick warburton Robert. as the tick yeah that was such yeah, I a think, good show yeah i think he that's he made the jump from that to to angel and man there was there was like a dozen wacky stories there was all these stories that went around all these rumors about ben edlin and his like how he couldn't make it to set and how he like overslept and they would have to go get him and bring and like all this like and like why am i hearing about it in the makeup effects shop like we're we're not even connected and like we're i'm getting these rumors in i'm like it's just weird it's just a weird place but the greatest thing about the rap party was uh we had this huge party and the next day i was unemployed <laughs> wow because <laughs> the show was over we were, it was done and we'd wrapped up everything we'd we'd done it all and yeah so there was a a bit of not working after that but then luckily we, we started getting some movies and stuff in but that was, was definitely was that a more was that a more memorable hangover or 
Uh, I've never had a hangover. Really? What? Never. I uh, I inherited this weird thing from my dad, our side of the family, and a lot of people have it. Like chemicals don't work the same way with me. I metabolize them really fast, so I have a really high tolerance to stuff called being which, Irish. Well, <laughs> well, it's just, but it, you know, I I like I've had eye surgery where I'm awake. And oh, I, wow. I've Ugh. had dental I've had dental work where there's no pain relief. It's just they're just in there drilling on my teeth. So yeah, oh, my th- there's that side of it. And then there's also like I don't get hangovers. <laughs> I think that's uh sociopathic behavior or something like that. <laughs> Are you almost done, Doc? <laughs> oh, I did I did that. I was like when they were in my eye and I'm like, so are we about done? And they're like, oh, oh god, oh, let's give give them some more stuff. And it's like Ow. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> you have such a long resume, too. I wonder, has anyone ever had you sign something that you didn't work on? I've had some people that tried to get me to alter magic cards that weren't my art, and then they didn't understand that I would not alter a, another person's card, because it's like, yeah. it's not, that's not mine. I'm not going to do it. And so, yeah, I mean, that I've I've signed plenty of stuff that I didn't know existed. That's that's the weird mm. thing is where they I didn't know work was reprinted or I didn't know stuff was out or released. So like people are coming up with finished product that I thought hadn't been released yet or never even knew because there was a uh, one of my big pieces for uh, Star Wars was Salacious Crumb with Jabba in the background. It was for a card. It's for the Salacious Crumb card, but they reused the art in the role-playing game the book about Nalhutta and all of the huts and it's it's like more than half a page of art they just reprinted it and it's they printed it huge hmm. i never knew about it they never told me you know because the contracts say they don't have to and so someone came up and had me sign the book at at gen con and i'm like what's this you know it's kind of those one of those <laughs> things and yeah it's i've had work reused a lot and it's always kind of these, these reuses that i'm like Oh, this is weird. I never knew I was working in this. Add it to my resume because my art's in it. <laughs> well, we are coming up on the end of the hour. And uh, Mr. Burdett, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you back on the show, sir. Yeah, no worries. It's always fun. So tell everybody again where they can find all your wares online. Uh, the best place to go is my website, ChristopherBurdett.com. Uh, from there, you'll there's links to my store, to my blog, to everything you need to know, uh, and, and I have kind of tons of my work on my website. Uh, and yeah, if you go to the store, you can find things like my book. It's a book. My book. It's a book. And, and my artwork and artist proof for Magic the Gathering and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And for our listeners, the name of the book is The Grand Bazaar of Ethra Vendalia, and it's mm. red. It's very red. A little bit of voice actor work there. Yeah. I like that. So do you have anything else for Mr. Burdett before we go there, Jacob? No, just that I, I can't recommend his art enough. I absolutely loved the uh, the coloring book that I bought uh, that my girlfriend stole from me. <laughs> so the next time I see you, I might have to buy something else or get another one. Uh, definitely get his book. If you don't want his book, there's plenty of other shit that you can get of his that's just as awesome. Go check well, out his stuff. Buy the book anyway and give it as a gift. Yeah. <laughs> give it as a gift. Buy the book. Give it to your loved ones. It's a good stocking stuff. And I'll put, the, uh, I'll put the link into our show notes here. So if you want to go get the book, color and book, anything over there, ChristopherBurdett.com. Go check it out. Mr. Burdett, thank you again for coming on the show. And uh, so, Jacob, you want to plug our shows before we go? We got some shows yes, coming sir. up. Yes, uh, sir. You can see me co-headlining at Jack's by the Tracks with Mr. Chris Weatherly. On April 16th, you can see Jason headlining Jacks by the Tracks on uh, April 23rd, mm-hmm. same venue. So come back out back to back weeks. And April 29th, we are going to be competing in a roast battle against each other <laughs> in the first round. I'm going to demolish this man. He doesn't understand. And you know you what? You don't know what's coming for you. I'm yet. okay I'm with that. You, you know why? Because I still get paid the same as you, even if you beat me. <laughs> Not if so. I win the whole thing. But I'm going to go full wrestling promo until that uh, roast battle happens. 
You don't know what's coming for you, man. They don't call me Jake the Snake for nothing. <laughs> they don't call you that. Yes, they do, boy. <laughs> yes, they do. All right. Well, we're going to get out of here. If you want to email us. Oh, that's so loud. If you want to email us, you can email us at openmikerspodcast@gmail.com. We are at openmikers on Instagram and Twitter. And also, you can go to openmikers.com, which takes you straight to our Patreon, where as little as a couple bucks a month keeps the lights on here at the show, and we'll shout you out at the beginning of the show. So thank you, everybody, for hanging out, and we will see you next week.